On today's episode, we discuss with my guest, Andrew G. Marshall, why many dads hit the midway point in life looking for something more, the reasons why this happens, and the practical steps you can take to navigate this point in life to emerge the other side into a life of meaning and purpose. Hi, I'm Joe Horton, and this is Guild of Dads. Hey, you over there. Yeah, I can see you. Come over. Sit down and join me as I'm about to have a conversation about you. A conversation about what it means to be a dad, a role model, and to live a life of meaning. About your physical health, how you look after yourself, contribute to the world around you, and raise our next generation. A conversation that will shape the vision you have for yourself. Forever. Welcome to Guild of Dads, your weekly podcast for dads, about dads, by a dad, to help you expand everything you know about fatherhood and grow your knowledge and awareness about what is possible for you. With Guests Weekly, we have practical advice from hand-picked experts covering all areas of your life, along with some incredible visionary men that share their amazing stories. We're really expanding the conversation around fatherhood or what it means to be a dad in 2020, how you can improve and expand as a father and be the role model you always wanted to be. Society is changing and dads are increasingly reflecting on how they show up as role models, how they can find meaning from life, or at least that their life has meant something, and what makes them happy. The problem is that for most men, their reference point for this is small and confined to their own parents, peers, and the odd celebrity or sportsman, which begs the question, whose life are you leading? If this resonates, then Guild of Dads is the place for you. Today's guest is established author, relationship therapist of 30 years and broadcaster, Andrew G. Marshall. He's the founder of the Marshall Method of Counselling, which blends psychodynamic counselling with systemic counselling and which he offers in London and Berlin. Andrew is featured in the Daily Mail, Mail on Sunday and Daily Telegraph with TV appearances on This Morning, Lorraine Kelly Today and on BBC Radio 2 with Jeremy Vine. And now to my discussion with Andrew. Andrew, welcome to the Guild of Dads podcast. It's a great pleasure to be with you all. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm really excited about our conversation today just because it it strikes very much at the heart of what I'm doing here at Guild of Dads uh, and the subject of meaning and uh, a lot of dads arrive at this point in their lives where meaning all of a sudden becomes an issue. Andrew you've written a book called uh, It's Not a Midlife Crisis It's an Opportunity and I know from what you've said that you're not too keen on the word midlife crisis, and I fully understand that given its kind of connotations. Yeah, it's sort of normally seen as I'm going to have a tattoo across my chest and put it on Twitter with a, a message underneath saying midlife crisis, ironic, or getting a Harley Davidson motorbike, or something like that. It's seen as a bit of a joke. But actually, it's something incredibly important. And here's the most wonderful thing. It can be the gateway to something incredible. And in fact, if you're feeling a little bit like this, as a therapist, I say that is absolutely wonderful because you're going to start to look at yourself, you're going to understand yourself, and you're going to come out the other side feeling much, much better. So it's really tough at the moment, but this is a gateway to something incredible. And in terms of the work that you've done with uh, men over the years, Andrew. What I've noticed with uh, a lot of the guys I speak to is that they are not always aware of what's actually happening. They reach a point typically in their life where something doesn't feel right, it feels a bit empty. The landscape seems to have shifted in terms of their work, their relationships, where, where they fall fall into the whole scheme of things in their life and the world around them but they just can't put their finger 
on what that thing is. And I think that is what causes the most kind of confusion and frustration. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, the problem is men are trained not to be aware of their feelings. They're trained to man up, get on with it, solve the problem and work harder. So they're actually taught by society that they should ignore their feelings. Um, Men don't stop and think, they act. So they don't actually look any deeper. They just sort of push on and it gets worse and worse. And generally, actually, where I find guys come to me is after they've had an affair. And so they think that the solution to this sort of sense of, you know, is there more to this life than just this drudgery is a bit of excitement and the buzz of an affair. Um, And actually what they discover is they have actually taken their life that was in a bad place and turned it into a chaotic place. (laughs) So I hope that um, your dads have actually had the self-knowledge to begin to say, actually, if I'm feeling like this, there must be a reason for it. Um, And let's explore it and understand it and give ourselves a bit of time to really know ourselves Um, Mm. because one of the most important questions you can ask yourself particularly if you're at this stage of life like the stage that you are 40 something is who am i and um it is one of the most incredible questions you can ask Um, and i've got two other questions you have to ask when you get to what I call the middle passage. Shall I explain what I mean by the middle passage? Yeah, that was actually what, what, what I was going to ask you next, and what the middle passage means. Yeah. So that um, let's go right back to the beginning. And this is um, something that is a great tragedy for most men, to be perfectly honest, is that nobody actually tells us how to be a man. Um, you know, nobody taps us on the shoulder and say, this is what you have to do. We sort of copy the big people. And, you know, if you've got a job, you pay your taxes, you've got a wife and children, then you must be a man. Um, But actually, copying everybody else is not actually being a man. It's being a provisional adult. A real adult is somebody who says, actually, I'm going to lead the life that's right for me rather than the life that was right for my father or the wife, the life that my wife thinks I should have or the wife, the wife, the life my mother thinks I should have or society in general thinks I should have. I'm going to have the life that's authentic to me. Now, that's a full adult because a full adult lives their life rather than doing what other people tell them to do because that's children do that. So how do you get from provisional adults to full adulthood? Well, you sort of have to realize that we're in this world born twice. The first time when we arrive in the world as a poor defenseless little baby, and the second time when we realize that actually it's our life rather than our mum's life, our dad's life. You know, we're not doing what our dad wanted us to do. We're not, in your case, following on and um, joining his business. We're doing what is actually right for us. Um, In my case, um, I stopped worrying about how successful I was because that's the message from society that says, if you write a book and it sells 2 million copies, it's better than a book that sells 2,000 copies. But actually, if it's the book that I truly want to write, and I get huge pleasure out of writing, and it's a book that really speaks to those 2,000 people, it's actually probably a much, for me, better book than writing something that is going to be not at all important to many more people. So I'm beginning to live by my rules, not society's rules. You're beginning to live by your rules, not your father's rules or your mother's rules or somebody else's. You're actually being authentic to yourself. And this section where we go through from provisional adulthood to full adulthood is the middle passage. Now, 
hopefully you would go through your middle passage without a crisis. Unfortunately, because most men in particular, um, when they have a problem, they double down and just keep going with the old life. You know, the problem is I don't work hard enough. I'm not committed enough to my job. Perhaps if I get promotion, everything will be better. So we just double down on the old stuff and we begin to hate our job even more. Because I think your sense that the first clue is you hate your job is a really true, true one. Um, most people actually ignore it and then go full into the crisis. But if you want to, you know, where you are, um, you're at the beginning of this journey, you have to answer three questions. And you're going to think, great, I've only got to answer three questions. My problem is they are the three most difficult questions. <laughs> I'm out the other side of the middle passage. I, it took me 20 years to answer these questions, but here goes. They are, who am I? What gives my life meaning? And what are, what are my rules rather than society's rules that I'm going to live by or my parents' rules? So if you can answer those three questions, you're going to actually be leading your life. You're going to get out the other side of the middle passage. And the great news is, as somebody who's now 60, is it's all uphill from here. You're in the hardest part of the whole journey, the bit in the middle where you have to support, um, in your case, two children. It might be even more. Um, for other dads, and you've got to find your way in the world, and you've got to earn all this money because, hey ho, children cost a huge amount of money. You're in the toughest part, but it does get better, and it gets much, much better if you can answer those three questions. But people are terrified of those questions. Yeah, I think I think you've touched upon a couple of things there because I think the. I think what typically I think a lot of dads go through is that so uh, let's say you leave school or you leave college or, or or whatever and your life map is okay I'm gonna meet a girl or a guy depending on um, uh, on whether or not uh, you're straight or gay you um, so you meet someone and then you're gonna settle down you're gonna get a house uh, you're going to maybe have children and then kind of that is your kind of it that's kind of your vision but I think for a lot of uh, people in their kind of mid 30s to mid 40s once you've settled down and you've got a house and you've got kids and stuff um, all of a sudden hang on a minute I've I've done all the stuff that I my plan didn't go any further than that and and, and so now what and how much of it was your plan and how much of it was laid down by other people? You know, the expectations of your parents or the expectations of the church, politicians, you know, to lead a worthwhile life, you have to have a house. I mean, do you have to have a house, you know, that you actually own yourself? Do you have to live in one place? Maybe you actually want to, to live in a variety of different places. I don't know. But that it's very, very easy to get seduced into other people's dreams. Mm. I mean, here's a real humdinger of a, a thought for you. There are two incredibly important things that men need to know. And the first one is, where am I going? And the second one is, who will go with me? Now, if you get those in the wrong order, you have got big problems, because actually, if you say, who's going to go with me? And you say, I've fallen in love with Daphne. Um, and you don't know where you're going. There's a great danger you're going to go where Daphne thinks you should be going, mm -hmm. which might be fine, but it might not be 100% where you want to be going. Mm -hmm. But if you're actually saying, you know, I want to live in, I now live in Berlin. You know, I want to live in a different country. I want to experience different things. And Daphne wants to come with me. That's brilliant. But you can begin to see if actually I've decided the person to go with me is Daphne and then decide I want to go off to Berlin and she doesn't like that idea. You've got a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. I can see how that would manifest itself. And one thing that I, as well that I've noticed is that it's not just um, work and relationships. I think it begins to permeate 
all aspects of dad's lives. For instance, I was talking to a, a guy recently and we were talking about um, organising dad's groups and, um, and going out and doing stuff. And he said to me, he said, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to do that. And do you know what I'd really like? I'd like to organise a dad's group where, where it doesn't all, all the time revolve around drinking. And that's not, again, it's not the first time I've heard that. And so all of a sudden you've kind of got guys that are like, actually, yeah, I don't mind having a drink now and again, but in actual fact, I just don't like the fact that everything to do with dads revolves around drinking. And then you suddenly sort of talk to other other dads and you're like, actually, I'm not the only one that thinks that. There's a handful of dads I know that actually would would quite happily go go go-karting or go on an outdoor activities thing. They don't want to wake up with a sore head every morning. And again, you begin to notice these little things that are kind of, they might not be around work or relationships, but they're these little things on the fringes that actually all of a sudden guys are like, actually, I was cool with that in my twenties, but actually I'm actually finding that I'm actually done with that now. And I want something that's a little bit, a little bit removed from that. Does that make any sense? It makes a huge amount of sense because, um, when you've got alcohol, the conversation is far more likely to be, this is another thing that men do a lot of, and that's banter. And so, you know, we're going to tell jokes, we're going to put each other down, and we're going to have a fun time. And that's brilliant sometimes, but actually there are other times when you want to talk about quite deep things as well. And you can't talk about deep things if you've had three pints of lager. You know, it just gets sloppy, doesn't it? You know, you can't actually, you can't talk from the heart necessarily if you have alcohol Mm. inside you. Mm. Mm. Um, You might not even, you might, alcohol can uh, can dampen down those feelings that you might need to actually say. You might actually need to say, I'm miserable, I'm depressed. And if other guys say that to you as well, that is incredible. Mm. Mm. I, I once, I was once working um, with a, a a guy who was in fifty, I think, and he was um, he was coming up to it was a school reunion, um, you know, sort of I don't know thirty year school reunion or something like that, and he was a little bit embarrassed about being in therapy because hey ho, men don't go into therapy, and I said. I wonder what it would be like to come out as being in therapy and tell the other, the other guys at your reunion that I'm actually seeing a therapist at the moment. And he said, yeah, that's an interesting thing. Yeah, perhaps I can do that. And do you know, literally 90% of them were all in therapy, but they couldn't actually tell each other and how wonderful it was to be able to say it. And he said that the only guy that wasn't in therapy, they all sort of secretly agreed should have been in therapy. (laughs) So it is the most wonderful thing to talk about these other things beyond beer and football because you discover that you're not alone. Mm. It's so wonderful. Mm -hmm. And and it really does feed into as well, I think, um, what you describe as the different kind of uh, I know in your book you describe it as a W, the U and the L-shaped life. And what I mm-hmm. think, um, obviously we're going to delve into the L-shaped life, I think there is a kind of habit with guys as well is that um, they look into the mirror when they get to this stage and they think they're so fearful of looking into that mirror and confronting what they see in the mirror that instead they just turn away from the mirror and they just anesthetize those feelings for the rest of their life, possibly maybe even up to retirement age. And it's not until they stop working at retirement age, actually it hits them like a bolt of lightning again, sort of thing. And um, so, so, so I, I, I just wondered what, I just wondered what your thoughts were on the different, the W, the U and the L shaped lives that you describe in the book. Cause the L shaped life seems to me to be that, that way you're just almost in kind of denial about it. I would be really, before I answer that, can I ask you a question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Tell me more about looking in the mirror and not liking what you see. So I just 100% understand what you mean by yeah, that. Yeah, I think, I, think I think for guys, um, when their identity is wrapped up, you know, we've just touched upon it, that it's wrapped up in kind of your life plan that you think is the right life plan for you based on what society expects or what your parents did or what everyone else does or whatever. I think that when guys reach a stage where they realize, hang on a minute, something's not working out right, right here. And they look in the mirror and they realize that 
it's I think there is a stigma almost attached to actually turning around and saying this life that I've been leading up until now I'm actually not that happy about it um, and I think for a lot of guys they look in that mirror and they see that their life is not kind of completely what they wanted mm-hmm. or what they intended and they either say okay well what am I going to do about it and then they start to face it down so to speak or the other option is they just turn and they say I can't stop drinking beer I can't stop um, uh, eating pizza I can't stop doing any of these things that I kind of know um, are not really me but I'm doing them anyway because everyone else does Um, it's easier for me to take the route well travelled and just do what everyone else does and carry on doing what everyone else does despite the fact that deep down I am miserable. Um, So they carry on in the miserable vein rather than kind of probing a bit further into that that path less travelled, so to speak, which is kind of where I would say that the true growth is. Okay, let me explain about the different kinds of lives then. So what we're aiming for is the U-shaped life. Yeah. Now, childhood generally is pretty brilliant when we look back on it you know we it's it it has its moments but it's jolly and it's fun and it's easy and i'm also going to tell you that 60 plus is wonderful as well as somebody who's actually got there because you know you've paid off the mortgage you've stopped worrying about um how successful you're going to be and all of those other kinds of things. Um, And in fact, all the research shows that actually the older and older people get um, up to a certain point where their health goes is better and better. The difficult bit is the middle passage in the middle. That's the you part. So unfortunately, you can't get to the second part without answering those three questions, without, as you put it so eloquently, looking in the mirror. Um, some people choose not to look at the mirror, so they go down and then they just go with sort of, is that all? Won't get fooled again, um, cynical, twisted, shut down, you know. So they're the sort of people when they discover that you're on a journey of self-improvement, laugh at you and pull you down because they're actually jealous and terrified of doing it. And, you know, so they're on the L sad but a lot of people lead the l-shaped life now um there are other people who look in the mirror and think oh god and they do something which they think is going to make things better but actually ends up making things worse so the classic one would be having an affair with your next door neighbor you know if you really want to am i allowed to use swear words on this podcast yeah yeah sure if you really want to fuck your life up, go and have an affair with your next door neighbor. That really is the tops. Um, but you think it's actually better. Have you ever heard of the dead cat bounce? I've heard of the grass is greener on the other side. Well, so the dead cat bounce is if you throw a dead cat out of a window, when it hits the floor, it will bounce up a bit and you sort of think that it's alive and it's actually doing better. But of course, it's dead and it's going to then drop back down again. So that's what having an affair will do to you. You will feel wonderful. You'll feel like 13 again. Um, You'll have fabulous sex. And for a whole five minutes, your life will be brilliant. But of course, it'll then be found out. And uh, your wife will be miserable. Your children will hate you. And the woman next door thinks you're a bastard. And you've got to look look at each other over the fence. And your wife and her are, you know, sticking pins into each other it's not going to make your life more meaningful it's just going to make it more chaotic so that would be a w and if you're lucky you then start dealing with stuff and you start building your life up and you do go up and answer the important questions or you might actually just go back to the l-shaped life or you might have a lot of dead cat bounces Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so that's the difference between the different kinds of life and the life you want is the u-shaped life not the l-shaped life Mm -hmm. and presumably when you talk about the um w-shaped life and i mean you've used the example of affair in that scenario can there be other things that can kind of just you know excessive spending 
Uh, yep. We've touched upon alcohol, yep. maybe drugs, Cocaine, that kind of, uh, yeah. kind of things. Um, okay. Doing um, uh, that sort of mad, mad business ventures that you do without actually testing the water and thinking about that, you know, you just think, oh, this is wonderful. I'm just going to leap into this. I'm going to give up my job and I'm going to go and live on a beach in California mm. sort of kind of thing mm. um, without actually having ever been to California or actually knowing if you like beaches sort mm. of that sort of kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Investing in wild um, uh, get rich quick schemes, those sort of kind of things. Yeah. Mm. The number one choice is an affair because, you know, they're really easy to have. Mm. Mm. Yeah. In the, the beginnings of them are really easy anyway. Yeah. And I think so uh, in what we've discussed in the last few minutes I think the 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 key thing here is awareness and all roads lead back to awareness of t- as to how you're kind of feeling and I think for guys that are listening to if listening to this if they've not yet hit the beginning of the you they need to be aware that something might shift in the next little while that they that they need to be aware of or they or certainly be aware of when they're when they start to feel different about life so to speak and then for guys that are actually in it they need to stop and think actually what is what what are my feelings emotions sensations telling me right now are these out of whack do i need to go and buy a red sports car and have an affair or or hit the drinking drugs or is actually it a time for me to step back and say right what's going on here i need some help to find my way through this so to speak Yes, and I think actually joining your podcast is a great starting point. I mean, that, that I've sort of got three ideas for, to follow, and one of them is to think for yourself rather than doing what everybody else tells you to do, to feel. I mean, even do in my book, I have a what I call a feelings diary where just for three days you write down every feeling you have um, and you just acknowledge them and say, it's okay to have feelings. This is a revolution for guys. It's okay to have feelings. And the third one, which is, I mean, this is breaking half of the rules of manhood. Um, we've already done it because you're not supposed to think, you're just supposed to act. You certainly aren't supposed to feel. And here we're going to break a third rule of manhood. We're going to talk to other men about it. Whereas, unfortunately, we often talk to our wives and we say, here is all of my problems. I'm going to pass them over to you. You're going to outsource them. You're going to solve them for me and then hand them back. Mm. Well, how old does that make us see? Yeah. Yeah, um, and it, it makes it, us seem about twelve years old, doesn't yeah. it? And it alters the dyna- the relationship dynamic because the, it, you're actually playing out a dynamic of mother and son rather than husband and wife. Yep. Um, and if you say to your wife, "Actually, my life is a bit sort of miserable. It doesn't make sense anymore. Um, I don't know what to do with myself." What do you think is going to be her first reaction? He is. Um, losing his frame he's struggling to handle being a man and is is this is this the kind of man that i want to be with if he's struggling to uh struggling to hold his frame in the worst um, case scenario i would say no, that I, is. Think, I think that's something even worse than that she's going to say what have i done wrong mm. she's going to feel because unfortunately men have given women the job of sorting out their lives if you're miserable it's her fault and she's going to feel attacked often. You know, I'm depressed. Oh, my God, what have I done to make you depressed? Yeah. Um, and you're going to get into a very dark place very quickly because she's actually either going to get angry with you and you're just going to shut down. Um, or if you just, as you say, lose your frame she's going to actually lose respect for you. And how much is that going to help you? Mm. Not very much. It's okay for men to talk to other men. Mm. Guess what women do? They talk to each other all the time. 
Do you want to get involved with a community of other dads who are looking to develop themselves? To continue the conversations we have here on this podcast in a place for dads only that fosters brotherhood, camaraderie and personal growth? Then we have just the place for you. At the Guild of Dads Facebook group, you can connect with other dads on a similar journey, share experiences, offer support and seek support. Most of all, you can get some accountability in your own journey and get involved with the discussions and topics that every dad faces. So look us up on Facebook, join up and get involved with the discussion. Looking forward to seeing you in the Guild so you can start your journey with us today. And one thing that, and one thing as well is that I think you've just touched on upon it is okay to talk to other men. You know, this is what Guild of Dads is all about. Essentially, is guys supporting each other and finding our way through. There is this kind of lone wolf fallacy that has kind of been pervaded over many, 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 many years. And you know, a good example of it is the kind of James Bond character that can cope, can deal with everything himself and stuff. But I think yeah. in a lot of aspects, that's done a disservice to guys because, in actual fact, we've ended up being not only the fixers but thinking that we can fix everything ourselves when in actual fact when you start talking to other guys about stuff like this you'd be surprised when they actually say well i've been through that or uh yeah i i i get that and an actual fact i don't talk to many people about this but me and my wife have been through that exactly same situation or whatever but the problem is is it's a chicken and egg situation you're not going to find out that information until you talk to someone and it's you, you you can't have one without the other you have to have the dialogue with other men in order to in order to get that uh kinsmanship and uh, brotherhood if you like yeah and men do not have enough friends mm. And yeah. what I mean by, I mean real friends, not drinking buddies or somebody you go to football with or somebody who tells you dirty jokes, um, that people you can actually talk to. And unfortunately, what often happens is, you know, if you talk to a, a woman and before long that actually you develop feelings for each other. And so actually you're not solving your problems, you're making things worse. Mm. I mean... Mm. This is a revolution that's happening, you know, that men are talking to other men and it's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, yeah. No, I do agree with you. I do agree with you on that. And I think what is, um, and I'm digressing slightly off piece here as well, is that uh, I know from the responses that I get from also women that particularly that follow, uh, follow me on social media and I follow them is that men uh, is that women want men to be having discussions with men as much as men do and in actual fact um i think the uh, what i've what, what i've really noticed in the last certainly two to three years is that there has been this kind of okay m- women don't share information with men and men don't share information with women about how women's brains operate all of a sudden this information is kind of being cross-pollinated across the sexes if you like and in actual fact it's fantastic because it means that men are understanding a lot more how their wives girlfriends and um the people they're in female relationships operate and how they're they are different and vice versa and, it, and i think it's making things i won't say it's happening overnight but I, st- I certainly have seen a shift where i think people are there is a lot more understanding as to how a we're different and b how we interact and operate and stuff. So definitely, definitely. But I think we've got a long way to go, whereas I'm sure you've got lots of women who are very happy to listen to our discussion. (laughs) Sorry we're such difficult creatures. Um, I wonder how many men are listening to the equivalents of women talking like this kind of stuff. I think they would be very few and far between. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I love the way in you, it, that you describe that you describe the dynamic of the hero and the civic, and um, and funny enough, when I um, was listening to that, I, I wrote down Robert Glover in the uh, margins of my notes because it, 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 it in my head, I I all, all of a sudden straight away thought no more Mister Nice Guy was the thing that pinged into my head straight away. So. <laughs> And I just wondered whether you could expand upon that, um, Andrew, if you could. The hero and what did you the say? Hero the and the civic. I the think civic? It was, is it the civic? I don't know what you mean by the civic. Uh, there's two, there, are two different, there was two different dynamics in the book, the hero and the, I think it was the, the guy who's more kind of civic-minded in terms of um, 
rather than being the adventurer, he kind of stays at home and he's a bit more kind of uh, local, the local man, so to speak. Well, this is back to following your own path. Mm. Um, that we can have what I call heroic thinking when we're young, which can be really useful because heroic thinking says I can do anything. Um, that um, the classic one is, I don't know if you're the age to remember the kids from fame. Do you remember the kids from fame? Yeah. And they had a song called, I'm going to live forever. I'm going to learn how to fly. Um, which came out when I was like 20 something. Um, and, you know, I thought, yeah, I, I sort of obviously knew I wasn't going to live forever, but you sort of think you're going to live forever. And you're certainly going to learn how to fly. I mean, God, how difficult can flying be? Um, and that's really good because it gets you off the sofa from your parents' sofa and out into the world. So that's great, that sort of kind of heroic thinking. But if you're having heroic thinking that I can do anything when you're 40, that can actually be quite dangerous because you're not actually testing these thoughts. So it is great to be a hero and to want to achieve great things, but take some time to think for yourself, you know, why are you doing this? Are you trying to prove something to somebody rather than doing it for yourself? Hmm. Um, and there's lots of different ways of finding meaning. Actually, being a dad can be a great source of meaning. And um, being a good, a good man and a good husband can be a great source of meaning. There's, you know, there, that there are many, many different ways of finding meaning. But this has got to be for you. And, you know, there's also got to be those other times when you step out of that and you know you do something for yourself because if you're forever giving out you're not going to actually refill your batteries so to speak yeah so you know it is if actually what refills your batteries is playing tennis it's okay to play tennis hmm. unfortunately men are given the message that when you become a father and you've got all these responsibilities. You've got to give up all these things that fill up your tank, like yeah. playing tennis, golf, or sitting, listening to this podcast, because you could, in fact, instead be, I don't know, driving your son to gymnastics. Um, and your son's allowed to have this great gymnastics career, and all you can do is, boom, well, pick him up afterwards. Yeah. You know, you've got to do stuff for yourself as well. Yeah, yeah, and that is and that is why I think I'd written down no more Mister Nice Guy in the um, in the uh, in my margins when I was taking notes reading through your book because that was what that was the reason that jumped out of me because I think that uh, feeding into some of this not all not for all guys but I think for for some guys is this 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 belief of kind of I need to be doing I I need in order to have the things I want in my life I must be doing things for other people all the time. And I think that there is there is a tendency for guys to get fixated around that rather than actually stepping back. And just like what you've just mentioned, okay, maybe I should be um, rediscovering going fishing or or my hobbies or whatever that I did when I was younger because that actually not only gave me time out, but it also gave me time to develop the relationship I have with myself rather than actually feeding the relationships that I have with everyone being at everyone's beck and call and being this kind of it's so easy for guys to get into this kind of what I would call the doormat tendency where they're just you know hi dad hi dad hi dad but actually no one says is dad all right because uh, mm -hmm. I've not seen him for a little while um, do you know what I mean yep and often these people are in what I call a passive communication position so passive communication is your needs are more important than your, your needs are so important and mine are of lesser importance that actually making you happy is going to make me happy. Um, and that's sort of okay, but often you sort of hope that if you make other people happy, they will make you happy. But they don't know what makes you happy and they actually are not that interested because hey ho, they're just busy doing their own stuff. Mm. 
And that can very easily get you into the opposite of this, which is my needs are of such huge importance because actually nobody's listened to them. I'm just going to demand them now. So my needs are important and yours are of lesser importance. So we have my needs are of lesser importance and yours are of greater importance. And your needs, my needs are of greater importance and yours are of lesser importance. Mm. Yeah. And what I'm looking for, and this is a skill you're going to learn going through the, um, the middle passage is to be assertive. Now, assertive is not, we're going to do it my way, which is what some people think assertive is, but assertive is my needs are important and your needs are important. Now, how are we going to resolve it if my needs to go off fishing and your needs for me to take Jimmy to his trampolining lesson are equally important? How are we going to deal with that because when it was actually your needs were more important that was easy i just took the kid out there and if i just demand and i just go off and say i'm going fishing whether you like it or not that solves it all for all the whole five minutes and the other one solves it for five minutes what you need to be with if you're assertive is i can ask you can say no and we can negotiate and you need to learn how to negotiate. And it takes time because, you know, if you were not brought up in a family where your parents negotiate with each other, maybe your mother told your father what to do and that was it, or the other way around, your father just did what he wanted to do and your mother used to complain about it. They fought like cat and dog or they never had any arguments at all. You don't learn how to have this negotiation. This is a real skill. They don't, and I'm not talking business negotiation because we've got emotional content in this. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Much really of, how much of that comes around boundaries as well, I've found. And one of the things that I've noticed uh, working with guys is that the um, sometimes when boundaries... Boundaries are kind of like uh, gates on a farmyard in that once <laughs> you've left them open and the animals have run everywhere, it's very, very difficult to put them back where they should be. Uh, and it takes kind of quite a lot of effort. And I think that sometimes... Uh, guys get disheartened because when they're trying to re-establish boundaries again, um, there is a massive, massive amount of pushback because it's just not the dynamic is that, that their partner may have not been used to there being any boundaries before. So when the boundaries are kind of re-established and renegotiated, like, you, like you've just said, it often results in quite a lot of resistance. And sometimes guys give up because it just it's, oh, it's just too much hassle to try and to do this because I just come up against such resistance. It's not going to happen overnight, is it, uh, Andrew? I don't think. No, this is one of the this is one of men's other big problems. We sort of want a quiet, easy life, and we'll do anything for it. And I'm going to let you into a secret: the quiet, easy life is the life. <laughs> to a meaningless life yeah yeah so you have to learn to say no um and no is okay they're not going to stop loving you as long as it's not just no and i refuse to discuss it you negotiate Mm. because if you negotiate you know i can't do this for you now but i could do it later or is there somebody else that could do that for you because actually instead of collecting Johnny, what I could do is I could take him away for the weekend and do something really special with him rather than just sit there beside him as I drive him, him having special experiences with other people. Mm, mm, You know, that if you negotiate, you can actually find something that works for both of you because your needs are important and her needs are important and they're both equally important. I can ask We find it really difficult to ask. We're frightened they're going to say no. We can say no, and we can hear no and stay in the negotiation rather than just thinking, oh, well, that's it. I can't get what I want. These are really tough skills, and it's really helpful often if you learn these skills together because it could be that your wife actually isn't that good at communication either. Mm. Yeah, I, I know we think that women are wonderful at communication, but sometimes they're not. Yeah, and I think you're right, we, and we've touched on upon it a couple of times in this conversation that sometimes the method of communication that your uh, 
that you're acting on in your adult life is the method of communication that has been modeled to you as a child by your parents. Yep. And if they didn't know how to communicate, how on earth are you going to know? Mm. And mm. once again, there's lots of people who will be very happy to teach you how to communicate. Um, and, you know, there are particular classic men ways that don't work, which is expecting somebody, if they, how's about this one? If they really love me, they'll understand and they'll just know. <laughs> One I heard, one I heard this year that that is particularly helpful um, could be for some people is that um, sometimes, where, sometimes when your uh, partner is talking to you, they don't always want you to fix something. They don't always want you to find a solution to it. And I and I heard this guy say, he said, look, it's helpful sometimes when your partner's telling you stuff to say to her, do you want? Are you, are you just looking to? Um, you're just looking to vent or tell me about this or do you want me to find a solution to it and that kind of relieves a lot of the kind of expectation from the conversation in the sense that if they just want to vent and tell you stuff then that's cool but if they're looking for you to put your uh, male husband fixer hat on then you can equally do that if, if if they need it but the problem is is that sometimes our wives come to the conversation actually not wanting you to fix anything but us guys being guys just go, Phew, I'm going to put my fixer hat on and I'm just going to go full pelt on this one. <laughs> and here's another one that you can do. You can just repeat back what you just heard. So I'm just going to do that to you. Um, there are times when you don't actually have to put your fixer hat on. You can just listen and that actually is really helpful. Yeah. Now, what was it like when I just summarised back what you just said? It made it sound like what I'd said had relevance and you listened to what I was saying. Yeah. And so what you've done is you've not fixed your wife's problems. You've just shown that you've listened. Mm. And if you can show a woman that you can listen to her, she will love you forever. Mm. Mm. Yeah, if you think you're going to, if you try and close her down because, oh my God, I'm going to have even more problems to fix, that's a fast route to I love you, but I'm not in love with you, which is another one of my books. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that occurring. So we've, we've touched upon a few different questions that you need to ask yourself when you're going into the um, middle passage. So, yeah. um, so I'm a guy that's worked out that I'm in the middle passage um, and, Hurrah! and well, uh, the, success, the, the success moment, I'm a, I'm a, self, a self-proclaimed middle passage guy. And, um, and so, but then I'm looking for the roadmap to find my way through this. How, does, how do guys listening who are, who are like, right, I'm in this, I can tell I'm in this, where do I go from here? Because I've never been given any roadmap to deal with this. This is way beyond what I ever thought I'd face when I was a 21-year-old guy. So I think you sort of have to think about which of those three questions you're going to answer first. Um, So I think um, let's start with what are my values as opposed to everybody else's values. Just start writing down what you feel the values of other people are. So, you know, what are the values of your mother, for example? You know, what does she think you should be like? What's the values of your father? What's the values of your partner? What's the values of your boss? You know, let's just get them all down and you'll realize, my gosh, I am running with a a lot of rules um, I do groups sometimes, and we've we've actually covered all the wall rule, the walls with the rules, you know, with blue tack, and then we have this wonderful moment where we pull them all down and we rip them all up and we throw them away, and it is the most wonderful feeling. But you do have to identify what other people's rules are, so that you're not you're not so overwhelmed by them, because the most powerful rules of all are the ones that are never have to be spoken. You know, your mother will never have said, it's really important for me that you are successful or that uh, you're a good man or you're a good dad or whatever it is. Um, and it'll be de- delved down into it deeper. 
you know, it, what's her definition of a good dad? Because there are 10 million different ways of being a good dad, although I have to say our society is drilling down into just a couple of things about being a good dad. You know, there are many ways of being a good dad, but, you know, really drill down into them, really understand them, and actually see which of them actually are entirely, you're entirely going to go along with. Um, you know, being a good dad might be something that is incredibly important to you. Mm. But drill down into the bits that are actually within that are the ones that are really important to you. So, you know, I'm a writer, so actually reading bedtime stories would be really important to me. And, you know, guess what I'm buying my great niece? Um, I'm buying her lots of children's books. Um, and for me, that is something that is really, really important. You know, that's not being a good great uncle. That's actually me being myself as a great uncle. Mm -hmm. You know, reading stories, sitting there with a child and, you know, doing the hungry caterpillar is just wonderful as far as I'm concerned. So I'm not just being a generic good great uncle here. Mm. I'm actually doing, I'm bringing myself yeah. to it. Um, and that is really beautiful. Mm. Yeah. So, so do you see the difference? You have to start thinking what those other rules are and really drilling down into them and then finding ways that you can do it that's truly authentic to you. Yeah. So finding it, so, so that, that separation between what your values are as opposed to what other people have kind of imposed upon you, if you like. Imposed isn't the right word. The, the, the values that you, that you picked up along the way, so to speak, and also and the values that you've inferred as being values when they're actually not values at all. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the, the, we're not, I'm not here to blame your parents, your partner, or anybody else. You know, this is all your stuff. Mm -hmm. But you've got to drill down and find the bits like, you know, me and the hungry caterpillar that are truly important to you. Because to me, reading and writing are just, you know, what um, I, I read, therefore I am, you know, I would much rather write than breathe sort of kind of thing. You know, this is truly me. It's taken me a long time to get here. Um, I didn't write, my, you know, I certainly wasn't writing my first book at 40. Um, so, you know, this is what is truly important to me. And you then begin to find ways of, of doing this that are authentic to you. And, you know, my niece is very happy for me to read you know that's great hmm. so once you found so once you've identified what your values are then how do you begin to kind of integrate that new way of thinking into the different areas of your life so to speak well i think that's a, a the it's actually thinking about um if actually this is really truly important to me i sort of need to communicate it to those who are nearest and dearest to me. So, you know, they're not going to think, oh God, he's got his nose in a book again. Actually, I'm feeding my soul when I'm reading a book. So they actually know and value that. And if you tell other people, that actually allows you to value that. And you make certain that you don't get into what I call the exhaustion funnel, where you give up all the things that actually make you feel better because you're too busy. You know, I can very easily get into the point where I'm too busy speaking to you, answering my emails, etc., etc. So I don't write. And I've just had a chunk of time when I wasn't writing. And I've just started a new book. And I feel a thousand times better. You have to really identify these things and hold on to them. If it's even if it's only, you know, just recently, I've only been able to do 45 minutes an hour a day. But that is, um, that is important that I'm really making time for it. I'm actually prioritizing it. I'm telling other people about it. Mm, mm. You know, I'm not taking it, and this is men's often fear, that they have to then take it to, to a huge extreme. I'm going to go away for the whole week. I'm going to say goodbye to my family, F them, and I'm going to just write my book for a week. You know, it doesn't have to be done like that. It's perfectly possible to do some of the things that are meaningful for you without actually getting paid for them. Mm. You know, I do make some money on my books, but I tell you, 
I could make far more money sitting in my therapy office talking to people. Yeah. So you allow yourself to dip your toe into the waters of the different things that are beginning to kind of pique your interest and yep. see actually whether or not they whether or not they are going to expand into other things and just allow the fact that actually they might just be things that you dip your toe into for a little while when you actually find that they're not for you and you actually move on to something else but it's that journey of exploration which is where you're going to find the meaning one of the things the the sayings i have is that you that um that that through action brings clarity meaning that you're not going to get clarity if you're just sitting there doing nothing you need to do stuff and it's not the case that the first thing that comes along is the thing that is going to be your thing that's going to give you meaning as a as a man or as a dad it's actually you may find that it might be the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, maybe even eighth thing that you come to that you actually think, actually, this is my thing. This is what really kind of gives me meaning, gives me a reason to get up in the morning, and I really enjoy doing it. And action is important, but actually sometimes contemplation and thinking is equally important. You know, instead of actually getting your phone out and, you know, looking at your messages – spend five minutes just sitting on that park bench waiting till the meetings get you know you till you start that meeting around the corner just have five minutes just to let your thoughts wander Mm. because um i have a dog some of my best ideas come from walking the dog um and this is just complete downtime Mm. um you know i'm not there trying to do three things at the same time I'm just allowing myself space for my brain to just chunter along. And some of it will be complete and nothing nonsense, but some of it will be gems that I will follow up. Mm, mm. So give yourself some space. Switch off for a bit. Give yourself a chance to get in touch with the deeper part of yourself. Deep down, you sort of know all these answers. You've just got to give yourself time and permission to go searching for them. And it's going to take time, you know, to really truly get through all of the stuff in the middle passage. It sort of took me 20 years, but it doesn't matter because actually the finding all of this stuff is really meaningful and good in its own right. Mm -hmm. It's kind you of don't almost have going to have on a, all the answers by the end of the year. Yeah, it's kind of almost going on a treasure hunt into your own personality that is going to last for the rest of your life almost. Yeah, and the treasure hunt is, in fact, often much more much more fun than actually the treasure that you find at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. You talk about embrace. You took one of the things you, I remember you mentioning was talking about embracing solitude and um, and kind of facing your shadow, which really does play into that whole that whole exploration and treasure hunt if you like so but yeah yeah sometimes the things that we really need to learn are coming out of the things that we are actually the most resistant to Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so the things that are really tough the things that we can't do the things we really hate sometimes there can be something really important in there yeah it's that discovering it's having that courage to actually going back to that mirror scenario again facing that that which is in the mirror and going towards it rather than running away from it yeah 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 Yeah. after that's difficult to do alone yes yeah yeah and which is again feeds beautifully back into our conversation about having those relationships with other men and an actual fact if you feel like actually i need someone outside of my family unit or my friend unit to speak to that can give me some different insights then that can also be helpful there's no weakness in looking for help and i think that again is a key takeaway from our discussion today definitely and i think what you need to do as well as actually looking at people on the same level as you is actually looking for mentors as well you Mm. know people who've actually have actually climbed a couple of feet further up the cliff face you know older men older dads you know dads that have children are 17 rather than seven you know they can be really useful it can be really good to have friends of different ages mm. you know to actually to look for mentors other than your dad yeah yeah, particularly it, if he actually wasn't much of a mentor <laughs> yeah because it gives you a lot more balance as well because you get you you're getting different viewpoints on, yeah on on what you're doing and stuff so 
Andrew, it's been a pleasure speaking to you today. Um, and I, and we've, we've covered a lot of ground and I think a lot of ground, which ho- I think that there will be a lot of value in this uh, for people listening to uh, the Guild of Dads podcast, just simply because it is something that is just not really spoken about. It's still a very sort of taboo subject. There's not a kind of roadmap out there as such. Uh, it's kind of for a lot of men. I think it is a case of kind of trial and error, and they arrive they arrive at this position in different in different forms and in different ways, sort of thing. Um, well, what- I say to the to I say be proud of yourself that you're actually. You're actually breaking the taboos of manhood. You are thinking for yourself, you're feeling, and you're talking, and it's wonderful. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Andrew, what is the best way for people to find out about you, the work you're doing? You've written a number of different books around the subject of relationships yep. and um, uh, and issues uh, to do with men and relationships and, and also uh, women. And what's the best way to find out about you? Well, I've put my name into Google, Andrew G. Marshall, G for good. Um, and that um, you'll find I've got 20 books. Um, I've just got a new book coming out now, which is called Why Did I Cheat? Which is helping men who've actually got into the, and women actually, uh, because it, women are just as capable of cheating as men. Um who've got into that dark place and they need to dig themselves out of it. It's about how to help yourself and your partner. In fact, actually, it's helping your partner and then yourself. Um, and learning, one of the questions you have to ask yourself is, you know, why did I cheat? Which is actually the same sort of stuff we've been talking about today is, you know, what inside me wasn't actually being sorted out that I need to sort out for myself rather than getting some poor random woman to sort out for me so you'll find a lot of books i'm on twitter i'm on facebook andrew g marshall therapy um i offer intensive therapy here in berlin i'm sitting in my office at the moment um you can come and spend a week with me i give you a lot of um a lot of things to read a lot of things to think about um um, I also have a team of therapists in the UK. So if you need couple work, um, they can help you with that. Or obviously the two of you can come to see me in Berlin for a week. Um, it's actually really useful to get away from the children and all the patterns of stuff to actually be just the two of you again. That's one of the great advantages of coming and seeing me in Berlin. You can actually be husband and wife rather than mum and dad for a few days. Um, and that can be really powerful. Yeah. I do a lot of work helping couples get the get the sparkle back into their sex life as well. That's another thing I do with people mm. over a, over a week. Mm. So um, I would say the books are the best way to interact with me. But um, uh, have a look at my various feeds, um, and I look forward to hearing from you at some point. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks very much for coming on and speaking to us, Andrew. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, like I say, I think that our conversation is definitely going to have some value for listeners, definitely. So I thank you for your time, sir. It's been really good. And thank you very much for having me on your excellent podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Cheers. I went quite deep with Andrew today into the mindset which I think a lot of men encounter as they get into the midway point in their lives. And I think a lot of the stuff that we discussed was extremely relatable. And for me personally, I can see the characteristics of the different types of personality we discussed in people that have been around me during my life. And you can see how quite often when people embark on what Andrew described as the L-shaped life, people almost kind of check out of life altogether, which is kind of really quite sad in itself. But I think the main takeaway is that it's not unusual or strange to feel differently when you get to the midpoint in life and experience lower levels of overall satisfaction. But the key is awareness and being prepared to make some changes. I think that awareness flows quite nicely onto the different types of life that we described in the conversation the w the u and the l-shaped life but like i just mentioned you're going to be amazed at how much you see different aspects of this life all around you and you'll begin to notice people around you who are living those different types of lives um 
like I say, it's shocking really when you think about it, how many dads and men in their middle ages are living uh, the L-shaped life where they are kind of just settling for what life has kind of given them. It's important to really take on board that it's not about uh, your parents, not about society, not your siblings or someone else's belief systems. This is really about you. And I think the conversation strikes right at the heart of the conversation that we have around Guild of Dads and the three pillars that are instrumental to the Guild of Dad's journey, which are vision, action, and meaning. And it underlines why these three elements are so important for us as dads. I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Andrew. If you want to find out a bit more about him and his work, the best place to do that is on his website, which is andrewgmarshall.com. He's also on Facebook, Andrew G. Marshall Therapy, and you can check out his book, It's Not a Midlife Crisis, It's an Opportunity, available on Amazon. I've linked it up in the show notes and you can check out any of the other things that we discussed. They're all in the show notes, which are at guildofdads.com. Andrew also has a YouTube channel, which you can check out. Um, Just do a search on YouTube, Andrew G. Marshall, uh, therapist, and it brings up a whole host of different videos, which are really kind of useful. And there's a ton of value in there as well. So there it is, today's episode wrapped up. If you like what we're doing, hit the subscribe button on your podcast player of choice, be it iTunes, Google Podcasts or Spotify and drop us a rating and review. The main thing is, is if you can share however you want to, either on WhatsApp, Messenger, text, make it a point to share it with at least one other dad today. It's really important as some of the information can be truly life-changing for dads you know. If you want to get involved with the discussion on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter, the handle is at Guild of Dads. And check out our Facebook group if you want to join the Guild. If you like what you hear and want to email me, joe at guildofdads.com, what you like, what you don't like and who you would like me to interview even. Tell me your story and what your biggest challenges are right now. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more about what we're doing at Guild of Dads, then head over to www.guildofdads.com and in the meantime, live a life of vision, action and meaning.